Well, I feel like I'm home um, being with uh, some of you guys that we've been, it uh, feels like we've been friends since we were kids. Because I think we were kids, you know, <laughs> early married. And anyway, I, I can't uh, start getting into reminiscing because that's, that's, a, that's a trap. I, I, it's a trap for you. I could, I, not a trap for me. It's a trap for you. I got I to gotta watch this. <clears throat> um, thank you for this privilege. I, I love being at this church. Um, I love it. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to dive in without going down too many rabbit trails here, okay? Because I'm... Uh, yeah, uh, Rick showing me a little bit yesterday, and he loads ammo and, you know, and so forth, and showed, you know, showing me the different sizes a little bit and how, you know, all this and that. Well, I am loaded this morning. <laughs> but I'm, I'm way overloaded. I have way, way too much that I'd like to just blast away. Um, yeah, but I, Lord, Lord, um, I trust you. <laughs> that may be sooner than you think. <laughs> uh, I'm going to bounce around in some scripture here. I'm going to start in Luke chapter 2. Some verses that we're going to hear a lot in, in these next uh, six weeks as we move into the, the Christmas season. Um, I'm going to read... Luke 2, starting in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, near Bethlehem, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Good news of great joy. And, um, you know, uh, perhaps my favorite uh, Christmas hymn is Joy to the World. Uh, We'll sing that, no doubt. We'll hear it. You'll hear. We're going to hear a lot about joy in this season, and rightfully so. We can't hear it enough. Rejoice. Joy. We can't hear it enough. And I, I actually, <clears throat> uh, I brought with me a, you know, I, you think, well, what did those angels look like? <clears throat> They're in the hills around, around Bethlehem and the this angel that showed up. <clears throat> I, I brought uh, an angel that's going to help us to visualize what that looked like. <clears throat> this, this, is, this is it. I think this is probably that angel that terrified the shepherds, you know. <laughs> ah! No! <laughs> <laughs> How many, you probably have, you know, we, every year, Molly, years ago, made a, made a little angel uh, that we put every year on top of our tree. 
and it's got little red hearts for eyes, and it, you know, and, and generally, don't you find that more often than not, angels are, I don't know, we, we think of angelic voices, you think of an angelic voice, oh, that's the Vienna Boys Choir, you know, uh, What's an angel like? I think maybe it's like Clarence in, in uh, It's a Wonderful Life, you know? Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. <laughs> Attaboy, Clarence, you know? I love Clarence. I love that movie. But it's not good theology, <laughs> you know? It's not good theology. Uh, who knows? I mean, what is, what is an angel look like. Uh, I had the privilege of standing with Rick when they're in, uh, outside of, of Bethlehem with Rick and Linda. And the, hill, the hills, it's very hilly, real hilly. And um, the hills, are they're almost honeycombed. It's very common to find caves in these hills in Bethlehem. In fact, the place where Jesus was born, part of that was a cave. Uh, houses, very common for houses to be built over a cave and incorporate the cave as part of the house and so forth. Very common. And the shepherds, um, uh, in all likelihood, would have used one of these caves or one of these grottos where it's kind of, you know, the, the opening... The opening might be big and the, with the, the, the rock hanging over it and, and all, you know, so a grotto. And then, and then you could have a, uh, parts of the, the cave perhaps going back further in. But these shepherds, in all likelihood, as it was at night, they would have had their sheep uh, uh, corralled in one of these grottos or a cave. And they themselves would be the doorway. They would be the protection there. And so, we, you know, numerous times I had the privilege of, of standing there at the place, and we climbed all over. Uh, you can, you know, you can climb. Anyway, picture, picture this. This is, this is some, some pretty rough living conditions and, and, and stuff out there. And looking out, you know, over the hills and valleys, and this is... This is some pretty rugged stuff that, you know, the kind of stuff that you guys are well acquainted with. Um, the angels that appeared, what were they like? I want to help us. I want, I want just for us to think about what it, what it might have looked like because probably they didn't look like Tinkerbell. You know what I mean? It probably, when the... When the when the angel appeared, and then, and then there was a whole host of angels, it probably wasn't a whole bunch of tinkerbells. And it probably wasn't like a church choir, you know, all standing in, in robes. And, and it probably, uh, I want us to read some places. We're going to spend a, a good uh, portion of time in Revelation. And uh, I've got, I got, Lots of markers, and they just want to slide all over the place. So, try that. Um, would you go to Revelation 10 to begin with? 
By the way, Kenny, you were talking about reading the Word, being in the Word. And my, my oldest son uh, is, he has never been a reader. He has always avoided reading. He has learning differences that, that just really give him fits. And, and English is a terrible language for, for reading anyway. You know, it's anyway. But so he, he basically just always avoided it. But now there are so many resources where you can listen to the word. He, he, he mostly listens to, you know, uses the U version or, and he listens to audio, audio books and, and resources, but he listens to it. When he's in his car, he's, he's listening to the word, something that he never, he never did before. He wasn't, to my knowledge, he was barely in the word because reading was just something like, nope, I don't do that. Um, so I'd, I just would echo, I guess, you know, if, if, if somebody's saying, eh, that's just not for me. You know, I just, reading the word has just been like pulling teeth for me. Well, then Molly, my, my wife now, mostly she listens to the word, but then generally she'll, she'll have both. She'll have, she'll have, she'll be looking at it and listening to it at the same time. But anyway, I want to, I just want to echo what what Kenny was saying there, press through that, that kind of voice there that says, nah, it's just too hard. I'm just not one of those guys that really gets into the word. Press, just blast through that, that lie, that obstacle. The word of God. You know, what, 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 do we, what can we say? It will uh, enrich you. Anyway, that's a rabbit trail. Can't go there. Uh, okay, looking here, reading it here, I was going to say reading here in, rabbit, in Rabbits um, <laughs> chapter 10. <laughs> Revelation chapter 10. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud. Don't picture a little cloud. Picture a cloud, whatever picture uh, He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. His face was like the sun. His legs were like fiery pillars. He was holding a little scroll, which lay open in his hand. He planted his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And he gave a loud shout, like the roar of a lion. When he shouted, the voice of the the seven thunders spoke. And when the seven thunders spoke... I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven say, Seal up what the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down. A mighty angel, shining, his face was like the sun. I mean, try to picture this. And I, on occasions there, standing in those hills outside of Bethlehem, the mouth of one of those caves, trying to imagine what was it like when that, first angel showed up and said, I bring you good news of great joy. It was a voice, perhaps. I I don't know. But I'll bet it rocked those shepherds. I bet, whether with their natural ears or whatever, it was like the roar of a lion because he was announcing Good news of great joy. 
And when that host of angels showed up, it was a whole bunch of these guys. And they were proclaiming good news of great joy. I want to talk about joy. Joy. If you look at Revelation chapter 5, and I'm, you know, probably most of you are not set up to be actually turning the pages, so I'll bounce around here. Uh, Revelation 5.11, John says, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne. Thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousands. They encircled the throne. The throne of God is just a, a, an incredibly dynamic place. And reading in, 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 in Revelation and, and, and looking at the different descriptions and so forth, I find it tremendously helpful in giving a perspective on, uh, on, what, on what we are, what we have been brought to, where we live, what our future is, the reality, the throne of God. Picture that one angel and then picture 10,000 times 10,000 of them encircling the throne. The throne of God is incredibly joyful. I've been, in, in my, my reading uh, I've been in Revelation now for, for some time, and I've, I've finished it up, and I'm, I'm, I'm just staying there. I'm parked in Revelation for a while. Uh, and so what I'm sharing with you is, is basically just, that's just where I'm parked right now in the Word. Joy. The throne of God is an incredibly joyful place. These angels, when they're making these, these proclamations, and let's see here, where should we, where should we read here? Uh, we'll, we'll go back, we're, we're going to say primarily in Revelation, but I want to read from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, picturing these angels, 10,000 times 10,000, thousands upon thousands. But uh, Revelation uh, twelve twenty two. But you have come. You're not at, you're not at Mount Sinai, place of fear and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn. Thousands upon thousands of angels. And they're not, yeah, picture the, the elf army in, uh, I guess, Lord of the Rings or maybe The Hobbit or wherever this, can you, have you seen the, the, the army of elves, you know, and they're just, 
you know, their expression never changes, and uh, they are just lockstep, and <laughs> everything they do is just exactly in unison, and they're just, you know. I picture these angels in joyful assembly. Uh, well, I'll let you picture, you know. You cultivate the picture, you know, in your own in your own mind. I loved what what you were saying about the your your mind here and your your mind here. Let let this let this mind rule uh, this mind and cultivate. You live at the throne of God. Life flows from the throne of God. Cultivate that. That understanding, what is it like there for you, where you live? Angels in joyful assembly. I've been, I've been in a, a book here. This, this book by John Piper, Desi- Desiring God, I recommend to you. Um, I, I, I have never had a... a an, just an individual book where I have spent so much time. I, I have had this book with me for, for some years now, at least five years. My, one of my sons uh, pointed it out to me, recommended it to me. And uh, John Piper, who draws heavily on C.S. Lewis and Jonathan Edwards. Those are basically his two mentors, if you will, have had heavy influence on him. So as I read through this, I'm getting kind of C.S. Lewis and Jonathan Edwards digested, coming, coming through a, 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 a tremendous pastor teacher like, like John Piper. I, so a lot of my meditations and, and so forth have been uh, heavily influenced in these years uh, by this. Very helpful. So I just... Man, if, if, if you think about it and you have opportunity, I, I, it's not something you just read once and say, oh, that was nice, and lay it aside. At least for me, I, I have been uh, going back. To, I'll leave it for months at a time sometimes but, and then come back to it. Uh, so anyway, uh, one of the things that grabbed me uh, from from that book, which I had never contemplated before, is that God is infinitely joyful. God Himself is infinitely joyful. For me, that takes a whole bunch of unpacking. Uh, God is God is not a uh, He's not a uh, gloomy God. He's not an angry God. He's not a frustrated God. Uh, he's not impatient. He's not moody. Uh, he is infinitely joyful. How can that be? How can, with, you know, with all of us, would think, but you often hear, if God is a loving God, how could he allow this to happen? How could that 
have happened? How could that have happened in my own life? How could that have happened in your life? If, if God is loving, if he's a good God, how can he allow all this suffering in the world? All oh, the wars, you know, on and on and on. If God is, how is it? How can we say that he is joyful, infinitely joyful? When you, I mean, take a look around. Take a look at your own life. If, it, if you haven't yet, I'll guarantee you, you will go through things that will challenge you to the depths of your being. You will go through things that will rock you to your core. Things that, that well, well, we'll talk more about things, you know. This is not a poly, this is not, the reason I wanted to point out the, the, the angels is because I wanted to draw the contrast. This is great. Maybe there are angels that look like this. They don't all have to look like who? The rock, uh, you know. You know, they don't all have to look like, it doesn't matter what they look like. But I, I don't want us to be limited to, to this. I don't want it to be limited to the little, to the little ornaments or the little decorations in which, oh, Christmas is so cute, you know. Christmas will blow your doors off if you get a hold of it. That's, that's why I, I, I'm wanting to draw our attention to uh, the, the, the might of joy. It is, joy is not, oh, I'm so happy. Joy, joy, joy. No, it's boom. However that is manifested. And I'm not talking about joy that is, that is uh, I'm not talking about even really an emotion. I'm talking about a state of being. Just like love is, is yeah, I mean, the emotion and, and so forth is, is you know, it's, it's almost like a vapor. Sometimes the vapor's there, sometimes the vapor's not, you know. If we think about it in, in those terms, Love is not like that. Love is rock solid. Joy is mighty. Way beyond anything we can get a hold of. That's why I want us to look at the throne of God. I'm, this is the first time in my, in my going through the book of Revelation that I'm seeing it as this revelation. I'm seeing Revelation as a joy-filled revelation, a joy-filled book. And holy smoke. We're talking about plagues. We're talking about, you know, and a third of humanity was killed over here. And here comes another plague, and you haven't seen anything yet, you know. Revelation, a joyful, yeah. Because things are being made right. It's being... It's being revealed. It's the revelation. And it is. How, how is it? How can God be an infinitely joyful God? Well, in part, because God is able to focus narrowly and up close with a, a narrow lens. But he's also able to focus with the broadest lens 
the widest angle lens imaginable and the greatest distance. He can see it all at once, and he can see it, he can focus on the, the, the moment, the, the, the most narrow. At the same time, you notice how in, in the best, in the, the, the best photography, the best cinematography, the best, uh, you know, movies and so forth, you notice if, if I focus, if that camera focuses on a face here, if, it, if, if I want to shift and even just focus on Rick, this face becomes a blur. You can't, and you get back here, and this all becomes a blur because I'm focusing over here. You, you, you follow what I mean? We can't, I can't focus, I can't focus on more than one of you at a time. I can, I can only focus on one. I look at Kenny, and the, and the two brothers at, at each side are a blur. You're all a blur. God is able to focus on what is going on in your life at every moment, and he is able to uh, grieve with you, fully grieve with you, while at the same time continuing to be infinitely joyful. He is able to focus on, on a situation. Picture the worst situations in the world. Lance, your daughter, is, is seeing some things. She's focusing on some things in, in parts of the world that she will be rocked. She will be rocked by what she will see and experience. And, and questions will come, why? How can this be? And Oh, the suffering of people. And oh, uh, you focus on those things. God can focus on those things, and yet he is never frustrated. He is never uh, gloomy. Never. Even in his narrow focus of anger, because there is righteous anger, of course, even in that narrow focus of anger, that does not, God is not angry. He's not infinitely angry. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a pickle for us to be in if God was infinitely angry? No. He's infinitely loving. Infinitely joyful. His perfection of holiness inspires these, all of this activity around the throne of God, they're just constantly in awe. They're not inspired and in awe of his uh, uh, anger. There's a there are time for it. And, and Revelation, Revelation describes it. Revelation points it out. God's perspective. God's perspective. I want to... I want to, uh, I heard probably a year or so ago on, on radio, I heard a, uh, a definition of joy that, boy, I, I, that, that is a good definition of joy. That captured some things uh, for me that, that uh, I really liked. And I want to I share that and expand on that with you. Could you guys just, just, uh, Grab one of those. Um, I have kept, 
this definition of joy in, in my Bible now for, like I say, probably for the last year. Um, and I, I purposely wanted to cut it down into a little piece of paper. If, if you carry your Bible or in whatever form, if you care to, if you feel at all, just stick it in your Bible there, perhaps, your wallet or something. And, and there may be times when you, you come across that or pull that out and, and meditate on it. Uh, that's what I've been doing. I'm just kind of using it, just, just kind of like chewing the cud on it, you know. Um, I want to go back to Revelation 10 now. We read the, the first verses there. I want to, I want to read, start in, uh, chap, in uh, chapter 10, verse 3. We read that description of, of this angel, this mighty angel. Then the angel I had seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven, and he swore to him who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and all that is in them, the earth and all that is in it, and the sea and all that is in it. And he said, there will be no more delay. But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished, just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. The mystery of God will be accomplished. You know, I, 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 have, I have found that, that I have... Uh, <sighs> probably particularly here in Revelation, I have kind of backed away over the years from trying to figure out how in the world is this going to unfold? What does this mean here? What a, you know, I, I used to know a whole bunch more about Revelation than I know now. You know what I mean? <laughs> I used to be a whole bunch more opinionated about, oh, yeah, I understand that. That's, oh, I can see it coming. And now I'm just like, yeah. I'm not trying to figure out just exactly what this looks like. Um, but what I, what, what I hear, this angel proclaiming, he raises his hand, this mighty angel shining like the sun, voice like a lion and thunder, and he proclaims, there will be no more delay, but in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished. I would in, insert in there, as you, as you look at, at, at those, uh, maybe I'll get one of those from you. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Um, the mystery of God will be accomplished. This that I uh, um, have, have written here, joy. A deep sense of interrelation and satisfaction that comes from seeing your life from God's perspective. And responding accordingly to the challenges and sufferings of life. Seeing life, seeing your life, in a sense, through God's lens or lenses. Seeing your life from God's perspective. And I, I, this word here, when the angel says, the mystery of God will be accomplished. I'm inserting there 
in my thoughts, I'm inserting there the word for mystery. I'm inserting the word perspective. What God sees clearly, this mystery, it's mystery to us. God sees it crystal clear, the whole thing. The mystery of God will be accomplished. We're seeing that in Revelation. It's, it's all being rolled out here in the angels. He's not... It's Again, I want to say, it's not just simply proclamation. It is in view of God's infinite joy. It's why is he infinitely joyful? It's being rolled out for us to see his perspective. Why is he infinitely joyful? What's he joyful over? We're, we're seeing as, as revelation is being unfolded. We're seeing uh, things from his perspective more and more clearly. That's, that's a, a big description of your life and my life. The mystery of God is being accomplished. God's vision of your life, God's perspective of you right now, where you have been and where you will be for all eternity, that mystery it's mystery to us. It's not all revealed to us. We see things. We see a little bit. We can have a little more understanding of things in the past. We don't know what's coming in the future. You know, but it's, it's being revealed. Isn't it awesome to live in him and see more and more of him and see things through his perspective? The gospel is his perspective. The word of God is his perspective. The revelation. This, this first part that I, that I uh, put down here, a deep sense of inner elation and satisfaction. Deep. It doesn't, it doesn't mean I just always feel joyful. Uh, the older I get, the more aches and pains I have. You know, when my, when my back is hurting, you know, I, I'm not as chipper as I, I'm not... Joyful, happy, just ask Molly. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm having a harder time with things. Or when, I'm not, again, talking about just joy in the, in the sense of a, a light thing. I'm talking about a state of being. A mighty state of being. Wow, that's awesome. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Choose joy, embrace joy, profound, yes, that's awesome. The four living creatures around the throne are described in, in Revelation 4. You know, there are six wings and, and so forth. They're the, they're the closest, they're, they're right there at the throne. You know, the throne is it's not just a chair, it's, you know, there, there's, the, there's the throne. No, it's, it's a place, it's a place. And the elders are around it and... and uh, uh, you know, the thousands upon thousands of angels and so forth. Well, the four living creatures that are right there, front and center, it says they're, they're covered with eyes all over the place. There's six wings, but it says they're covered with eyes. It says even under their wings they have eyes. Oh, what in the world? What, what do you got? I, got? I got eyes under my wings? What for? Because they're always like this, I think. 
They're always like this, beholding every sense. Every sense. It takes a whole bunch of eyes. When you're beholding Him, when you're looking with His perspective and looking at it takes every eye you can muster, every sense you can muster. Eyes, all eyes on Him. What's His perspective? What is the perspective of this infinitely joyful God? The mystery. Uh, Revelation, uh, let's see. Revelation 10.2 describes this mighty angel that we first look at. says he has a little scroll in his hands. Has a little, a little scroll. What's the deal with the scroll? Um, verse 8 of, of Revelation 10. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me once more. Go, take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll. He said to me, take it and eat it. It will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. And when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Then I was told, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. The scroll. I want to, I want to read uh, in Revelation 5 about a scroll. Are, you, are we doing okay? You guys hanging, hanging there? I'll lose all sense of time. I, I'm just so spiritual. Time is just nothing to me. <laughs> I'm timeless. <laughs> no, but I, I, I'm serious, though, because I, I, I will lose track. Um, but, so Kenny, be blunt if you need to be. Um, the scroll. A little scroll, and he take the scroll and eat it. Revelation uh, is is a, a big part of Revelation is the revealing, the unrolling, the opening of the scroll. Your life has a scroll. Your ministry, your influence, who you are, can be likened to a scroll. I see John here. I don't know. I don't know what all is going on here, but he takes this scroll and the angel doesn't say read it. He says, "Eat it. It'll make you sick to your stomach, but it'll be so sweet in your mouth." In part, I hear again, I'll come back to what Kenny was saying about the word of God. Eat it. Eat the word. Eat the scroll. Eat the scroll. But there is a scroll of your life. This infinitely joyful God who is your heavenly father, who is your creator, who is the one has, who has designed your eternity. There is a scroll of your life. And in his time and in his sovereign ways, that scroll is being unrolled. And the father is joyful over it. He's joyful over it. Even if at given times and given seasons there is heartache, maybe failure, maybe times when you say, oh, God, I wish that wasn't a part of my scroll. Oh, God, can, what can we do about those years? 
or that blunder. The Father not only looks with that narrow lens, but all of those things are a part of this mosaic of this scroll that goes on endlessly, and he is joyful over it. Uh, Would you look at at Revelation 5? Yeah, I kind of felt a little sick because I ate something that was so different from my normal diet that it, it tasted great, but oh my goodness, my stomach was like saying, what in the world is this? And I think, to me, that's the picture that I get is we're partaking of something that, that tastes good, but then to digest it, it's like, oh my goodness. You know, that's good. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Yeah. yeah. Eat, eat this, John, because you're, you're going to prophesy it. Eat this because this is part of your message. Yeah, it brings to mind, Kenny, you remember, of course, when one of the times that Kenny was in Spain, he had a word uh, from the Lord, uh, and, and we, we went, I don't know how many churches we went, we went around Spain to the, to the four-square churches, a lot of the four-square churches in Spain. Did we go to Portugal? We went to Portugal also. The Iberian Peninsula, we went, and in every place, uh, Kenny would, he would get a, they, they use the, like the baguette, they call them pistolas, pistols <laughs> over there, a rifle. Let's just have that for breakfast. But that's, that's what the, the, the bread, that's the common bread. It's like the long baguette. And Kenny would have a fresh baguette. And, and the, word, the word basically was, you've got to have fresh bread every day. Part of your life, the, the word has got to be fresh in your mouth every day. And it, it, it really was a, anyway, I, I, as you were sharing that, it came to mind. Um, Revelation 5, verse 1. I, I, what I'd love to do, every, every time, every proclamation that is being made there, through, as you read through Revelation, these chapters, especially after the letters to the churches, then you get to chapter 4, and then there's these, these proclamations at the throne, and as things are being made right, and things are being revealed, and so forth. And these, the, the multitudes of redeemed, or the multitudes of angels, or, or the witnesses, the ones, they're, they're all proclaiming tremendous proclamations being made as things are revealed. The worship that is thundering forth in this place of incredible joy. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, that is the Father, a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. 
standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense. Harps. Let me stop there just... In Revelation 14, it describes the multitude of redeemed with harps. And you think of a harp. Oh, don't you look forward to playing a harp? Doesn't that sound like, woohoo? This is I can I can see this angel playing a harp. It's harder to see these other guys. It describes the harp as sounding like roaring water. Like 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 thunder, peals of thunder. They're playing harps and it's Boom! Uh, what is going on here? The Lamb. Who is able to reveal it? Who is able? Who has the authority to take this, this revelation and unroll it? Not just to say, not just to look at it or whatever, but He's in charge of it. Who is the Lord of this? Who is the Lord of this mystery of God that will be accomplished? Nobody was found who could do it. And John, pictured John. Imagine the emotions. He just must have been totally on overload during this revelation. Golly. Wept and wept because no one was found. The angel says, don't weep. The lion of the tribe of Judah is worthy to open the throne. What did the lion of the tribe of Judah look like at the center of the throne? The lamb that had been slain. What is the perspective of God? It is culminated. It is epitomized. It is revealed. If you want to look at God's perspective, look at the lamb. And boy... Oh, boy. This is... The Lamb reveals everything. In the Lamb and by the Lamb, everything is revealed. He, has, he is the one. The one when the angels, the angels there at Bethlehem claim, proclaimed, great good news of great joy. Why? Because they were saying the Lamb of God has been born. In Bethlehem. The mystery. The mystery. God became a man. He became a baby. I mean, you can chew on that for a long time. Like your whole eternity. The cross. The lamb is the lamb at the cross. The cross reveals this unknowable God. Beyond anything we could conceive of, this infinitely deep mind of God is revealed in the Lamb of God on the cross. I will glory only in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The Lamb of God, it's revealed in Him. Hebrews says, 
Fix your eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the Lamb of God, because he stands at the center of the throne of God. He is platformed. You want to know the mystery of God? You want to know the perspective of God, the heart of God? Behold the Lamb. Behold the Lamb. It's revealed in him, and he has the authority to unroll it. He unrolls it all. He is in charge. Wow. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross because he could see the whole outlay, the whole panorama, the whole scroll, if you will, the whole scroll that he was going to reveal and unfold and put into motion for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Mighty joy. Mighty, mighty joy. Profound, profound joy. One of the things that I am enjoying the most about growing older is having a wider angle, perspective on the gospel, a grasp of the cross, the lamb, a broader angle on looking back at his incredible faithfulness, a broader angle on glimpsing the future as I get closer to that horizon, whenever that is, I'm closer to it now than I've ever been. I'm realizing life is short. What's after life? Oh, my goodness. Infinite joy. Oh, my goodness. All that is being revealed. But what about that bump in the road that really, it didn't just give me a bump in the road, it ran me off the road. And I crashed and I burned and I, will I ever recover? It's all part of that scroll. It's all part of knowing him. The lamb is at the center. He's at the center of it all. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Peter refers to inexpressible says we are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy inexpressible i'm talking about joy this morning and it's inexpressible i can't describe it just like you were saying about to use every sense cultivate every sense to grasp joy because it's inexpressible inexpressible and glorious how do you describe what is glory Try to, try, to, try, to, try to describe beauty. It's abstract. It's, what's, you know, it's, it's beautiful in different ways and, and all. It's, it's all, but it's inexpressible and glorious. We are filled with that joy. Whether you feel it at a, at a given time, I don't feel any joy. I just, I just got a lot to do. 
I just, I'm just having a hard time at home. You know, my, my marriage is really struggling, or I'm not real joyful. Fix your eyes on the Lamb. Fix your eyes on the one who is unrolling this, this eternal scroll. Fix your eyes on him and let joy be a deep inner sense of elation and satisfaction from seeing things through God's perspective. The, I, I wrote, I, I elaborated a little bit. The second part that I put down here, God's perspective, seeing life from God's perspective. But if you don't know that God, what God is like, then seeing life from God's perspective, you say, God, I am, I am so angry at you. They forget you. Don't we all know people who've turned their back on God because, well, God failed me. Or God just, it's just not, the scroll isn't unrolling like I think it ought to. Where's God? I'm just ticked. Or I'm, nah. You know what I mean? Turn your back because, uh, no, scroll's not, <laughs> you don't have any idea of that scroll and his plans and his goodness. It's revealed in the Lamb. And the last thing, and I stop here in Jude, verse 24. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. That's what I would like to leave with you. You go through this holiday season, this Christmas season and beyond, Thanksgiving into the new year, you, you go through this, cultivate joy. It's not found in your circumstances. It's not found in your circumstances. Fix your eyes on the Lamb. He is able to keep you from falling, present you before His glorious presence, His glorious presence today, the throne of God today and forever. That's the new Jerusalem. That's where you live. That's your home. He presents you there without fault and with great joy. Embrace God's perspective. This infinitely joyful God. Great joy, great joy. Merry Christmas. Wow, is that ever loaded? Merry Christmas. Great joy be to you guys. Thank you for the privilege of getting to share with you.